So John chapter 8, verse 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be free, but then what does it mean to be free indeed? Well, I've explained this a couple of times. It's like you can break out of jail and you can be free, but you're really not free indeed, right? Because even though you broke out of jail and you're technically free, every state trooper that drives by you, every police officer, every you know, law enforcement, you're kind of freaked out watching over your shoulder, right? So you might be free, but you're really not free indeed. That's a lot of believers. That's how a lot of Christians kind of live and act today. We, we were free, but are we really free indeed? So when Jesus says this, he's talking to the children of Abraham. What did he mean by that? Are there limitations to your freedom? What were you freed from? And what are you freed for? And is there like some fine print? Is there like a caveat? Is there a loophole? Did I miss something? I, I, I don't feel free. I'm still entrapped by some issues of life. I still got anxiety. I still got some depression. I still got whatever it is. What does it mean when Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed? I'm so glad you asked that question um, this morning. That's in the Bible. That's Jesus. Now, this is not Jesus, but it could have been Jesus, okay? God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Have you got that memorized by now? That was easy, wasn't it? Wasn't that a piece of cake? All right, we're going to do this again. God wants you. That's the first thing to remember. God wants you. He always wants you. Starts off, you know, in the garden. It ends, the Bible ends in the garden. Starts off, God wants to be with you. The Bible ends with God's hanging with his people. God always wants you. Don't ever get confused about that. He always wants you. What does he want? He wants to get you someplace. Now, anytime you and I make a decision that does not lend itself toward freedom, it is not from God. Every decision that you have that, le- that lends itself toward freedom is a decision that you've made in the will of God. But God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Now, everybody 40 years and of younger, everybody 40 and younger, say this with me out loud, all right? Are you ready? Are, are you ready? All right, here we go. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Now, because I'm going to embarrass you, if you're 40 and older, now we're going to know who's 40 in the room. Everybody who's 40 and older, say this with me out loud. Ready? Here we go. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Now, think about this. If I really do want to be free indeed, and I really do want to go where God wants me to go, what prevents me from doing that? Is it my background? Is it my behavior? Is it how I think? Would it be my belief system? What would be the pushback from allowing me to be free indeed? Not not just free. Oh, I know Jesus forgave me. I know my sins are forgiven. I, I know I'm going to heaven. But what prevents me from living that John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life. What prevents me from having life 
abundantly. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set you free. What's going to keep you and me from being free indeed? Well, in our story this morning, that's worth fighting for is freedom. And we have two ladies, and one lady's free, and one lady's entrapped. And the irony is, it's not who you would think. Because in our story, the woman who is so wealthy, she has so many options. She is like bling bling. She's a lady that's got it all at her fingertips. She never gets free. She stays entrapped. She stays slaved, a slave mentality her entire life. But she has a slave who is not free physically and not free financially. And she's the one that ends up finding the freedom. And so in our story this morning, I hope you can find yourself, and I hope you can find the path that Christ has for you, because he wants you to be free indeed. So it's Sarah, and it's Hagar, and it's in Genesis chapter 16. Let's look at these two ladies for just a couple minutes this morning. Now, Sarai and Abram's wife, and this is just real confusing. If you've not read the Bible and you're new to church, I thought their names were Sarah and Abraham. It is. God changes them. And so it's the same people, okay? Sarai is Sarah. Abram is Abraham. Same people. Very confusing, but that explained it, hopefully. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. All right, so, so far we see that we got a problem, even though in today's vernacular, she would have a jet, she would have an airplane, she would have personal assistance, she would have all the purses, all the shoes, all the clothes, all the food, all the water, all the beverages, all the Perrier water, whatever she wants to drink, she has it all at her fingertips. But here's what she doesn't have. Isn't that so like us? If I really got to know you, eventually... Would you talk more about what you have, or would you eventually keep telling me what you don't have and what you just kind of want and kind of need? Most of the time, we kind of focus not on what we have, but we focus on things that we still do not have. She had born no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now look at this next verse. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, I wonder how this conversation went down, don't you? I mean, how did this, this take place? I mean, like today, is he watching like NFL ticket? You know, is he flipping through, watching about eight games at once, like this afternoon? Is he reading the paper? He's got his Kindle. Well, what, what's he doing? And he's going, I think she just said I get to go sleep with her handmaid, but I didn't hear right. Honey, tell me what you said again. I I want you to go sleep with Hagar. Now, these next six words might be the funniest words in the entire Bible. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Well, of course he did. (laughs) Of course he did. This is hilarious. Abraham's going, I get a hall pass. All right, awesome. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. All right, I need to move on, don't I, before I get myself in trouble. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Wow. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. And when she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Why? 
Hagar began to despise Sarai. Why? How many times did they have to sleep together? We don't know. Was it once? Was it 30? We don't know. Was she sleeping with a man that she didn't like? Did she know that the, the inheritance wouldn't really be hers and the lineage wouldn't really be hers and she wouldn't really get the credit? I don't really know. We don't really know for sure. But for whatever it is, it didn't work. It was a bad decision. And when you're entrapped and you're still a slave, it doesn't matter if you're the free woman here, Sarai, when you're a slave to something, you begin to make some really bad decisions. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Can you just see this at a marriage retreat, how this is going to go, you know? The poor guy, I feel sorry for the dude. I mean, now it's his fault. Now he's the one that gets to blame. You, Abram, are responsible for the wrong that I'm suffering. I put my slave in your, what? Arms. Hear the resentment? Hear the bitterness? This wasn't God's will. It's caused us problems now for over 4,000 years and continues to cause us problems. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram, you make a decision. It's either her or me. Uh-oh, it's right. <laughs> your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. I think Abraham played the wimp here. I think he made two really bad decisions. The first bad decision was to do what he did. Now he's not playing the man. Now he's playing the wimp. And when you're enslaved, it weakens you, and you begin to play the wimp instead of the man or the woman. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated. I think that is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. She mistreated her. Sarai was trapped. She had everything, all the food, all the water, all the transportation, all the servants. She had everything you could ever imagine. But she didn't have a child. And now she's going to mistreat the one that she actually had sleep with her husband. And so Hagar fled from her. But here's where the music changes. Here's where the violins come in. And this is the yay God. And this is just like you. No matter your background, no matter your struggles, no matter your issues, no matter your challenges, no matter what's happened in your life, the angel of the Lord is finding you. Because if the Son sets you free, have I mentioned this yet in the sermon? You will be free indeed. And here comes the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar near the spring that's in the desert, and it was the springtime that was beside the road to Shur. I don't know why they give us all these details, but they do. And he said to her, Hagar, slave of Sarai, he's reminding her of her position. You're still a slave. At this moment, you are a slave, and you think like a slave, and you have a slave mentality. And even though you and I have been set free by the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we still walk like we're in slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation took place December the 18th, 1865. But December the 19th, everybody still acted like a slave. Were there any slaves December the 19th? There were none. There were no slaves December the 19th. But people still acted like it. People still thought like it. 
People were still told how to feel and how to behave. People were still afraid of their freedom. Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? What a great question. And that's what keeps us trapped. But you got to know where you came from. You got to know your background. You've got to know your challenges. You've got to be realistic about the issues that you have. Everybody in the room to get better, to get free, has to know where you come from, where you came from. But the best question is the next one. Where are you going? I love that. Where are you going? I mean, in order to get free, you have to know that you were lost. And in order to go forward in Christ, you have to know that you were a sinner, and you have to know that you needed a Savior, and you have to know that there's a Savior who wants to set you free. Where have you come from, Sarai? And where are you? I love the next question, though. Where are you going? And that's my question to you this morning. I care where you've come from, absolutely. But where are you going today? Where are you going with your faith? Where are you going with your family? Where are you going with your finances? Where are you going with your work? Where are you going with your time? Where are you going with the passions and the skills and the gifts that your Heavenly Father, where are you going? It matters where you came from. Well, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she, she answered. I mean, let, let's be honest. We're all entrapped to something, or we're all entrapped to somebody, right? Let's just be real honest. Every one of us in this room still struggles with something or someone. It could be alcohol, could be anger, could be some kind of anxiety. I'm just all knotted up. It could be depression, could be control. It could be lust, it could be greed. I think about money all the time, just money, money, money could be jealousy. It could be envy. There's 15 or 20 major components that we could talk about that just enslave us. And we got to know that even though we may have come from a good background, good parents, a little bit of resources, some pretty good opportunities, every one of us knows that we're going to have to cling to Christ in order to be able to, not where have you come from, but to go to go forward in him. So, so how does this all work? Well, you see, God wants you to get where? To freedom. And he probably wants this today more than you do. And he was willing to pay the ultimate price for you to get there. Now, you still got to do your part. And you still got to pray and give and serve and love and forgive. Yeah, absolutely. We got to do our part. God says, I want to do something in you, and I want to do something through you, and I want to do something among you that is just amazing. Have you ever thought about this? You see, at that point, now follow this, God's glory is on the line because you already know what you can do. You already know you have a little bit of talent, a little bit of skill, a little bit of resources. You know what you can do, but you know you're still trapped. At this point right here, God's glory is on the line because it's not what you can do. It's not what you've been able to do. You haven't been able to get out of this. You're still all knotted up about him or her or this or that. And so now the Heavenly Father's glory is on the line because he said that if my son sets you free, 
you can be free, what? Indeed. So here's some things that happened. This is why we struggle with this. You see, we had perfect acceptance in the garden. This is all on your app. You want to fill in the blanks? This is on your phone app. We had perfect acceptance, but it was replaced by what? Rejection. And rejection has stamped every one of us in this room. It's the reason you do some of the things that you do. It's the reason you say some of the things that you say. It is the absolute reason why you've tried to get attention or you've gone passive and you've gone under or you've gone out of control. Everybody in this room, we have been stamped by rejection and we feel it. And sometimes we get a handle on it, sometimes we don't. But that's why we have such a need to belong. That's why the church can play that role. The need to belong can be inappropriately with gangs and the wrong people and the wrong friends. But there's such a need to belong, and that's what the church can do. And the church is full of grace and truth. The church has to be full of grace and truth. If we're all grace, but we never have any truth, we're never really helping you go forward. If we're all truth, but we're no grace, we're kind of mean. And you've seen churches that err on one side or the other. Truth, 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 truth. And they're not really very kind. And then grace, 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 grace. Well, everybody just stays stuck. Everybody likes each other. Everybody accepts each other. But nobody goes forward. And there's such a need for us to belong. And I love being your pastor. Sunday are the best day of the week for me. I love this. I love being with you. I'm a peopleaholic. That's what my wife calls me, peopleaholic. And I adore this because we get to do life and grow and serve and honor and go forward together. We've all been stamped by rejection, so this is what the church does. Innocence. We lost our innocence. They were naked and not ashamed. It was replaced by guilt and shame. And again, every one of us in this room have been stamped by guilt and shame. My, uh, one of my boat mechanics said to me yesterday morning, he said, uh, I've been a recovering alcoholic for 27 years. And he was in first service this morning. And he said, it was guilt and shame that got me. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ setting me free, I don't know where I would be today. And I loved his honesty. And I loved his growth. Because he's not just free. He's free indeed. So innocent was replaced by guilt and shame. And that's why we have such a, a need for a sense of self-worth. And that's what Christ does. And I loved what Joyce said during the worship. We're not trying to make ourselves famous. You've got to decide. Are you going to make yourself famous or are you going to make Jesus famous? And then dominion was replaced by weakness and helplessness. You see the weakness of Adam. You see the weakness of Abraham. You see the weakness of some of these people. You see the, really the weakness of Sarai taking matters into her own hands. That's why there's such a need for strength and for self-control. And this is what God does for us. God provides for us strength, and he provides for us for self-control. So I just want to give you this. This is free. It doesn't exactly fit right now in the sermon, but I want you to get this. Because it kind of fits so you can go free and stay free. Every temptation is an attempt to get us to live our lives independently of God. And that's really what the enemy wants to do. Every temptation that you and I face is an attempt to get us to live our lives just completely independent of our Heavenly Father. Okay. So what did she say? She said what? I'm running away. Where have you come from? Where are you going? I am running away. And here's what the angel said to her. 
The angel here is the angel of God, and, and he reveals another name of God called El Roy. And El Roy is the God who sees. And now she has to kind of unlearn what she's been learning. And isn't it hard to unlearn? Unlearning is twice as hard as learning. If I get your name and it's the wrong name, it's twice as hard for me to learn the right name, right? Anybody else in the room like that way? If you miss an exit on the highway, you go a mile out of the way, you haven't missed it by a mile, you've missed it by two miles. You've got to go a mile down and a mile back, right? Unlearning is so hard. And this is what faith is. Faith is really unlearning some of the false concepts and beliefs that everybody around you has told you how God acts and how God is. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And really how we apply this today is, go back to your master. And our master is Jesus. And we submit to him again. Well, I've blown it. Again, well, I've taken a step backwards. Again and again and again and again and again. We submit to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then guess what happens? When you surrender and you submit to him, he promises to put his hand just a hand of favor on you, a hand of blessing on your life. And the angel of the Lord said, this is what God's going to do for you. If you go back and you surrender, you submit, I will increase your descendants so that they, much that they won't be too numerous even to count. Where are you trapped today? Where do you struggle? What's some of the greatest issue in you? Oh, you've given your life to Christ. You, you got baptized at the beach. If you got baptized this last time at the beach, we're lucky we didn't lose you. We had three and four foot waves. I mean, we had a professional lifeguard behind us just to make sure nobody got lost, literally. You've done all that. You've given your life to Christ, but, but really, you're not any freer today than you, than you were a year ago. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to rise above some of the things that you've been taught, some of the things that you've learned that may not be true about this. You see, in order to live free indeed, you have to start living what's true about your relationship with your Father. Here's what he says. To live in freedom, you have to believe what is already true about you. So what is true about you? What does Jesus say about you? And remember, God wants to get you, right, someplace to a place of freedom. So let's talk about this. Those of you that have given your life to Christ, and I realize some of you in the room are trying to figure this out. That's cool. We're so glad you're here. Come back. But if you're in Christ, this is what's already true about you, whether your mom and dad or your parents or your coaches or teachers or youth pastors, no matter who has taught you, this is true. This is what is true about you. You've been justified. And you've been forgiven. And you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Whew. That's what he's done for you. You died with Christ, and you died to the power of sin's rule over my life. I keep stumbling. I keep struggling with the anger. I keep struggling with the depression. I keep struggling with the control. I keep struggling with the jealousy of them. God's glory is on the line. Not, not your glory. You know you can't do it. God's glory is on the line. I am free forever from condemnation. You may have some family or friends that are condemning you, but the King of Kings isn't condemning you. The King of Kings says, you're my daughter. 
You're my son. I've been placed into Christ by God's doing. I've received the Spirit of God into my life. I've been given the mind of Christ. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to God. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God in Christ by His Spirit. That's powerful. That's strong. I no longer live for myself, but I I live for Christ, 2 Corinthians tells us. I've been made righteous. Preacher, I don't feel very righteous. If you knew where I came from, yeah, okay. I got the same issues. I got the same stuff in my background, same junk back there. But you see, I receive what Scripture says about me. I've been made righteous. I've been crucified with Christ, and Christ now lives in me. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. First 11 verses of Ephesians has about 14 different amazing spiritual blessings that are all true about you and all true about me. I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. I was predestined, which means I was determined by God, to be adopted as God's child. I've been redeemed, I've been forgiven, and I'm a recipient of His grace. I've been made alive together with Christ. I've been raised up, I've been seated with Christ in heaven. I have direct access to God through His Spirit. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. And I've been rescued from Satan's rule and transferred to the kingdom of Christ. So let me ask you this this morning. Where in your life is God's glory on the line? Where in your life right now are you going to ask Him to set you free and free indeed. Usually at this point, I pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to pray for yourself. I don't know where you're trapped. But I do know this. I do know that he wants to rush and run and release you. And so I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand, if you would. And I'm going to ask you to pray for you. You pray for your area of where you're still trapped, and he is going to set you free. So let's just pray for a minute or two, and then I'll close this in prayer. so much power in your blood. (laughs) There's so much peace in your presence. 
There's so much hope in your scriptures. Lord Jesus, just like Rachel sang during communion, you've made us clean, and we receive that with joy and gladness and humility. Set me free indeed. Set my sisters and my brothers free indeed. And Lord, if there are those in this room that are just still struggling with whether or not to even give you their life, may today be the day. May they come down to one of our prayer partners and tell one of our prayer partners, today's my day to give my life to Christ. Today is my day not just to be free, but to be free indeed. In the awesome name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.